going to read a very wonderful and exciting passage, which uh, is absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely amazing. It's one of the best passages in the Bible. What would it be? It's actually from the Old Testament, uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, reading from 13. And this is um, the story of Elisha with his servant. And um, uh, the king of Aram is at war with uh, Israel. And uh, Elisha seems to have, he's a prophet. He has words of knowledge when the king of Aram or Assyria is about to ambush the, uh, the people of Israel. And he relays it to the king, and so they can prepare themselves. So uh, Elisha is not uh, number one flavor of the month in the heart of King Aram. So King 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 of Aram is out to get him. And so he sends an army to surround the city where he is. So that's the context. And so, verse 13. And um, so the king says, go find out where this man Elisha is so that I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he's in Dothan. So then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. So this is another nighttime experience. So if you're, around, if you're in a city and maybe it's walled, maybe it uh, must have been walled, um, but then you hear the, 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 the rattling of uh, maybe the neighing of horses, the rattling of armor, and this kind of noise that you hear to begin with increases and then you hear kind of shouts and people moving around. And you think, gosh, what's that, what's that out there? Uh, and you realize there's an army surrounding this place. Can you, imagine, can you imagine how you would feel in a city or a, a town like that? You would be absolutely bricking it. And, uh, what, and the servant of the man of God, uh, uh, of Elisha, the servant got up and went out early the next morning. He might, I'm sure he had a bit of a sleepless night too. And an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And then very quaintly it says, oh my Lord, what shall we do? I'm sure in reality he said a lot more deeper and profound and earthy things than, oh my Lord. (laughs) Anyway, that's the interpretation uh, that's come through. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? He must have been absolutely terrified, the servant asked. In fact, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You think, how can that be? There's a huge army around about here. We're just a couple and maybe other folks in the the, the town can help us, but no match for this army. And it's the most amazing prayer. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills are full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wouldn't you like to see that? Open, open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire. He saw a glimpse into the spiritual reality. They weren't alone. There wasn't just two against an army. There was an even bigger army, an even more powerful army. It was the army of the Lord. The hosts of angels were around. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, because there is hope 
It's not the end. There is hope. Open his eyes, basically, because there is hope. And uh, that's my prayer. I believe that's what the Lord wants to say to each one of us. Open your eyes, for there is hope. Open your eyes, for there is uh, hope. We mentioned at the beginning, Psalm 59, it can be, and uh, many of us are going through a bit of a, a nighttime experience, and many people in the world are. I was reading uh, something in, of the New, uh, New York Times, Time magazine, um, a survey of young people, how many do not want to have, couples, young people, couples do not want to have children. There's so many, 33% because of climate change, 27% because of the population growth and the, and the despair that they feel. We went to a lovely concert last Saturday at Delaware Pavilion, uh, a great jazz concert, lots of good music, but uh, in, in the midst there was a song made by one of the artists and it spoke of kind of this despair, you know, in the midst of kind of generally quite happy kind of music, there was a, a real life song that came through of despair and feeling like they're in the mire. That's, that's, a, that's a context of so many people, isn't it, in, in these times. Uh, 4,000 years of, apparently uh, in Tel Leilan, which is a place in Syria, archaeologists discovered. So 4,000 years ago, the soil, they discovered there were no earthworms. They came to a certain point, then there was none. Earthworms get everywhere. If there's no earthworms, that's serious. That is deadly serious. And in fact, there was a century-long doubt, drought, drought, doubt, drought, that brought down a, the Akkadian Empire. That was one of the, the, the first super regional powers. It lasted for over a century, made my, people just left, and there was migration and famine. It was one of the, one of the, the moments when civilization seemed to be collapsing. Apparently, there's been about five of almost mass extinctions. So whether we're going through a personal deep dark night, whether our country's going through it, whether in an international level, this is just you know, one of those dips that will come up or whether it's even the last times, we do not know, do we? But whatever the situation that we are going through, personally, nationally, internationally, the Lord wants us to open our eyes because there is hope. He wants us to see the spiritual realm around us. He wants to see who he is. We sung songs about him being on the throne, his strength, the fact he loves us, that he is a fortress. He wants to see us to see the plans he has for us and for the world. Because in the Lord, and for me this is almost the most exciting thing at the moment, in the Lord there is hope there is very great hope, even when those who do not, know, do, not know, do not know the Lord tend to despair, and we can all despair, we can easily fall into that. There is hope. The Lord loves faith, whatever the circumstances, and Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Like hope is the base of faith, and it's somehow we can be sure of it, it says. There's something solid in it. Hope is not the, oh, I'm going on holiday next week, I hope it'll be nice weather, kind of this kind of flimsy, ethereal, you know, wish. Hope, Christian hope, is built on something solid. It's, it's concrete. There's a foundation. 
and especially as it's based on the Lord and based on his plans that will be fulfilled no matter what. So we have hope. And I just wanted to, to speak a little bit, just a few moments of God's plans for the world, how it's going to, to finish so that we can have hope for now, if that's okay. The last book of the Bible, uh, in some languages, we, we know a little bit the Italian language, but this, this book, the last book of the Bible, is called L'Apocalisse, which means the apocalypse. And I don't know what you think when you hear the word apocalypse. You think, goodness, you know, this is dramatic. There's meteors coming this way. Apocalypse, apoc apocalypse now, and all this stuff. But the last book of the Bible really means, it's not just apocalypse. It means it's an unveiling. And, and in English, we call it revelation. It's an unveiling, a taking back the curtain. It's opening our eyes to see who is on the throne and how this is going to end. And because of that, then the, the Christians who lived in that time, John, who was on Patmos, persecuted, had such great hope. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes, for there is hope in you. And the last two chapters, so this is a spoiler alert, you know, if you want to see the last bit of the film, but do look at the last two chapters especially. And we're going to read a few verses, because as our eyes are unveiled to see spiritual reality, the hope that is in God. There are three things. There's a new, first of all, a new Jerusalem. Let me read Revelation 21, verse 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's going to be a transformation of this earth and this heaven. And there was no longer any sea. Well, I love the sea. Cornwall's one of my favorite places. And I think, Lord, make there be a sea. The sea is not liquid water, H2O. Sea speaks of chaos in the Bible. There'll be no more chaos and disorder. So Cornwall might still be there, <laughs> hoping. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. So no more veil. We'll see God on the throne. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Would you like to see that? Every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new, and uh, etc. The new Jerusalem coming down. God making things new. Taking away pain and mourning and even death. And he likens this new Jerusalem to, it's, um, if you read on, it's like a cube, but just full of every precious stone, sapphire, jasper, uh, pearl and gold. So glorious there's no need for the sun and the moon. So that's God coming down on this earth, transforming it with his bride. The bride in the New Testament is his people. He's, at the work of trans he's in the work of transforming us. And we think we're a bit gritty, you know, like the, the, the bit of grit in the oyster kind of clam. We're a bit like that. We're still the grit. 
but what the Lord is doing and molding and transforming is transforming it into something glorious. So, then, so when the end times come, he will come, transform the heavens and the earth, and he will come as with a bride ready, with you and me as well, gloriously transformed. And, and, the, and John, the, uh, John, who wrote this unveiling, spoke of it as a precious, glorious stone. He is at work in your life and in my life to make something beautiful and glorious that will be revealed one day. We are, he has, there are treasures in these jars of clay, treasures. Would you believe that? That's what the Lord is doing to you. And he will bring to glorious fruition one day, the new Jerusalem. So there is hope. And then in this uh, unveiling of the end, there's a lamb on the throne. In verse, uh, Revelation 21, 22 and 23. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its light. On the throne there is a Lamb, which speaks of Christ, who has suffered, who has paid the price for every sin and suffering and evil and injustice. He has taken it on himself on this cross to get rid of it, and we will see that glorious got rid of one day. Someone has taken that onto himself, the sins of the whole world, and he is on the throne. And that's the one we are worshipping. He is the one who we are following. And finally, it's not just the new Jerusalem. There is not just the lamb, but there is healing for the nations. That's what we look to. That's what we look forward to. So in chapter 2, 22, the very last chapter of this unveiling, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down at the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Oh, how we need healing our nations need healing. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not, they will not, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord will give them light and they will reign forever. Healing for the nations. We need that, don't we? So that's, that's the end times to which we look. Place of, place of light, of holiness, of God being so present. We can see him face to face. Of something transformed, us and the world. A place of healing. Isn't that the most glorious thing imaginable? And at the very end of Revelation it says, uh, says uh, this, Behold, I am coming soon. Behold, I am coming soon to do all this. And then it finishes, uh, the people of God say, Amen, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Do you want that? This is our hope, this is our destiny. Open your eyes. For there is hope, there is hope for you, for me, for the world, for the nations, for our universe. And so a question, is that 
just in the future something to look forward to. Shortly in November, we'll be celebrating Advent, which uh, means coming, one of the words means, it means coming. Often Christians, we look to the coming and we celebrate, we think of Christmas, don't we, the first coming. But the early Christians, first five centuries at least, look forward to this second coming that we just talked about. That's where their hope was, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of night, in the midst of persecution. That's what they needed. First coming is also glorious, absolutely. Second, it seems like even more so. But what has the Lord done? Is it just something we're waiting for out there in the future? No, it's not. That future has come, is coming. Come, Lord Jesus, is coming. And it is streaming towards us even now. And when Jesus came, he said, the kingdom of God is near, is at hand, has come. So repent and uh, believe the good news, he said in Mark. The, the, that kingdom has broken in to our dark world of night. And so we can glimpse it, brothers and sisters, this is what gives me hope, even now in our lives. So Jesus went about preaching good news of hope in the midst of the, is, the Jewish people uh, under the dominion of the Roman Empire. Uh, he called them out to be a different people. He called the disciples, leave your nets and follow me. Uh, yes, repent. Yeah, don't, don't live for yourselves anymore in pride and self-centeredness. Follow me. He went about doing healing, setting people free. He brought us into a new relationship with God. So, our Father who art in heaven. And forgive us, those forgive, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. There's forgiveness and release of, of forgiveness and resentment. And there's worship for yours as the kingdom, the power and the glory. There's a people born again with new hope. And that kingdom, that far kingdom, well, it might be near, who knows. We might be manifest soon. But it has broken in in the person of Jesus. It has broken in in the person of the Holy Spirit that he sent to continue the work of Jesus. Open your eyes, for there is great hope in the future and now. The Holy Spirit is here now, revealing this kingdom. Yes, glimpsed, glimpsed at times, shimmering at times, rustling at times, but here, and we have seen it, haven't we? We have seen it manifest in so many ways, in this place and in different places where we uh, worship the Lord. Open your eyes, for there is hope. So, what shall we do about it? I just thought of just a few uh, things. Don't believe, a, don't believe a preacher when he says just a few things, but try and believe a few things. If this is true, what shall we do? A few things. <laughs> Have your lamps ready. Yeah, remember the parable of the five, uh, is it ten virgins, five virgins, forgotten. Ten, thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I need to read my Bible more. 
Anyway, there were some virgins who were ready with their lamps, ready for the bridegroom, and some who were not. Are you ready? We need to be ready. It could happen any moment. We need to welcome his kingdom now. Repent and we need to repent. Confess. Uh, receive his Holy Spirit. And, but be ready for him. Are you ready? We need to be uh, ready. Secondly, we need to be salt and light. You are a people of hope. God has, you are, there are treasures of, of, there are treasures in you in jars of clay. Let it shine. Let it shine. Do whatever God puts in your wake to do. Do it to the glory of God. Looking up at this great, um, all these angels as, as the servant and as, as his eyes were opened before Elijah with the angels cheering you on and the people of God cheering you on. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9 verse, says, uh, verse 10 says, In hope shall the plowman plow and the thresher thresh. In hope. Because there's hope, we get on with what God has put us here to do. I was reading, funnily enough, a, a sermon. It's called The Sermon of the Wolf. It was written by the Archbishop of York, not the present one. He's not a wolf. He was called Wolfstan, so he was nicknamed the wolf. And in 1014, that was a, that was a dark time. The Anglo-Saxon world was coming to an end, collapsing, and the Viking terror was at the door. And it felt like the end of the world. It felt like the end of the world. He got up and he preached a sermon that's called the Sermon of the Wolf. What shall we do? Shall we escape? Shall we hide in a cave? No. He said, let us do what we need to do. Turn towards the right and abandon wrongdoing, which meant keep doing what the Lord has put in your hand to do. Do not be afraid. Make sense? A sermon of the, the wolf. And uh, Paul, a, a fellow rabbi of the Apostle Paul, Rabbi Yohanan ben Sakai, and Paul's time, it was said to him, if the Messiah is coming and you have a plant, a sapling in your hand, what will you do? And this rabbi said, I will plant the sapling and go and meet the Messiah. If you've got a plant in your hand, if he's given you something to do, the Lord still wants you to do it, to do it with grace and with beauty and with kindness. Keep sharing the gospel. Keep creating because there is hope. You artists amongst us, keep, keep doing that. And, and, but it's not just, it's, it's an adventure, advent. It does mean coming, but it's the word from which we get adventure. The Lord wants you to have an adventure with him and he will turn up in surprising and unexpected ways. Open your eyes for there is hope. And finally, the Lord wants us and we can uh, sing. Esther, could you just play this clip? I know many of you have seen it.
I'm sure many of you have seen that as the Russians were invading Christians. <coughs> For our last hymn. <coughs> <coughs> Russian Christians stood and sang while others frantically and fearfully walked by because at the end of the ages is a song and we can sing even now of the one who is on the throne. An article I read recently, to sing as a Christian isn't to deny or avoid the fallen realities of the world in some sort of escapism. Rather, it is to enter into the midst of them and to declare that though the darkness may seem strong, a light shines in the darkness which the darkness cannot comprehend, which in the fullness of time will banish the darkness for good. So in song, the signs of Christ's coming continue to shine brightly for those who have eyes to see, ears to hear, and lungs to sing. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that truth? May the Lord fill you with his hope, with his grace today. There is hope. There is someone on the throne. Do not despair. If you feel you're in nighttime yourself, if you feel your circumstances our night, or even in the world, there is someone on the throne. We know how this is going to end, and that great kingdom has already broken in to our lives. So may your kingdom come, Lord, in our lives today.